This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. In a world driven by content, the B2B space is no exception. That fact, according to Farnes Maters, the executive director and CMO of Principal Global Investors, means that grabbing someone's attention is more difficult now than ever before. And it's a marketer's job to create things that rise to the top in the sea of content. Where we are in a B2B, it's basically a content war. It's about having differentiated content that our clients actually care about. People have really gotten closer to the brands that they know and the asset managers that they've got long-standing relationships with. But at the same time, as people are hunkering down and being really selective in who they're engaging with, it's made it more difficult to be able to expand our reach to people who don't necessarily know us. So the natural question becomes, how can B2B companies create content that not only grabs the attention of its clients, but goes one step further and gets them to engage as well? On this episode of Marketing Trends, Farnes dives into how B2B marketers should be thinking about the content they create. She challenges them to ask themselves a simple question. What is the purpose of this piece of content? Plus, she discusses why the hardest aspect of working with data is sometimes just deploying it correctly. Enjoy this episode. Marketing Trends podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. We bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, host of Marketing Trends, and today we are joined by a special guest. Farnes, how are you? Good. Glad to be here. Glad to have you on the show. Excited to be talking about your background and, uh, and what you have going on at, at Principal Global Investors. Let's get into it. How'd you get started in marketing? So I, um, I actually started my career in sales. So I had a number of different roles and I honestly just got bored and felt like I needed to do something different. So I ended up going uh, to business school. And when I was in business school, I gravitated towards marketing classes. And I actually ended up getting my, um, my concentration in marketing. And when the program ended, I sought out some key mentors and asked them if uh, it would be a smart move in my career to transition into marketing and away from sales. And um, I was really nervous about making a potential move because in sales, you, you know, you're tied to revenue. And um, you know, they encouraged me to, to make the move, and I did, and I haven't looked back since. And so flash forward to today, tell us a little bit about your current role. So I, I head up marketing for our asset management uh, unit at Principal, and uh, I'm also a um, member of our operating committee. So I've got a responsibility across marketing and also uh, look after our product management group as well. And so what does your team look like? What, do, what does marketing look like at Principal? You know, we're a B2B business. So um, a lot of our a lot of our marketing organization is um, around our products. So um, we actually have the marketing structure, kind of the core functions that you think about 
digital, email, um, looking at the various activation tactics. But in addition to that, we've got the core groups that create our content across our products. And then we've got audience marketing. So looking across our global client segments and um, those are the main functions within our marketing organization. And for those of our listeners who don't know, tell us a little bit more about Principal. So we're, we're a financial services company. We've got um, a number of business units, which mine is one of. So um, traditionally, people who are familiar with Principal would uh, probably think of us as an insurance company, which is one of our divisions. The other uh, and probably one of our most prominent is our retirement division. So thinking about 401k participants. And then the third business unit is the one that I'm a part of, which is our asset management unit. And then the fourth business unit is Principal International. And so you mentioned that you are B2B focused. Um, Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about like your your kind of buyers and, and who you're selling to. So we've got really three different audiences. And they're a little different depending on if you're in the US or if you're in one of our international markets. The U.S. market is our largest, and um, our two biggest audiences are financial advisors. So um, from a B2B perspective, we provide financial advisors various investment solutions that they position and construct in portfolios for the end consumer. And then we've got our institutional business where we are partnering and working with your Fortune 1000 companies on their 401k and defined benefit plans. And then um, internationally, it's, it's mostly the advisor network is really different. So we work with mostly platforms and then um, also global uh, institutional clients and sovereign wealth clients outside of the US. And so it, what goes into like a, a marketing campaign for you all? How do you, uh, how do you think about crafting a, uh, a campaign? It really starts with the client. Uh, the client segment, and trying to understand, um, you know, the purpose of the campaign. So is it is it about where are we trying to influence within the sales funnel? Is it an awareness? Is it an interest campaign? Is it about conversion? So we really think about first our client segment, and then where in the sales funnel we're trying to trying to influence. And then um, based on those two, we, we think about what the, the friction points are for the client um, or potential uh, client and think through, um, you know, what are, they, what are they trying to solve for and how can we really help them with that? And so do you have a pretty robust sales team or how does that look? Our client facing teams? Yeah. Yes. We've got a pretty, pretty large um, client facing team globally. And um, it's, a, it's a big part of our job from a B2B perspective is really figuring out how we partner with them, how marketing can create kind of a halo effect for them, shorten the sales cycle, allow us to extend the life of the client. So um, it's, it's a really strategic relationship with our client facing and distribution teams. And so as you're, you know, crafting those kind of B2B campaigns, like what's What's your relationship like with sales? It's a partnership. I have to say that we've got a really good planning process. So one of the things that we do is twice a year, we go through planning in partnership with our product teams and our client-facing teams. 
and really think about what are the client trends, what's going on externally with markets, and figure out where, um, you know, where we've got the best opportunity to develop our go-to-market strategies and um, think through, you know, how can we empower our sales team and make, make their jobs easier as they're facing with clients? And then also, um, how, can we, um, how can we be a lead generation for them as well? That's probably our, our, our biggest um, area of focus is especially in this environment, it's really hard to prospect. And we're, we're thinking of ways of, you know, how can we extend the reach that they have outside of their natural networks and, um, and be able to generate um, leads and meaningful engagements with prospects and clients for them? Yeah, totally. I mean, that's, uh, I was going to ask about kind of like that, that lead flow, how did, how did things change? Because it seems like the method where when everyone is um, kind of inundated with information right now and inundated with uh, you know with with the on, only ways of of talking to people is you know via zooms and phone calls and things like that no in person events no no in person anything I'd imagine that building those relationships for your sellers is uh, or for your client facing teams is a lot more difficult. It is, and it it really depends on how long each of them has been in their territory, right? If someone's been there, they're very established with with their market. They've got, you know, everybody's contact information outside of the office. They've got those established uh, relationships. It's a lot more difficult for people who are in the process of building up their territories. So we've had to figure out, um, depending on each territory where they're at in terms of the strength of the relationships that they have, how we partner with them, as well as what are some, you know, larger events and strategies that can go across territories. What we did actually that's, that served us well is we went through a segmentation process and looked at um, how can we be creative in and expanding our um, footprint and coverage with our um, client-facing teams, but also what's the segment that marketing can really look after and be able to nurture those relationships. And going into this year where it's all about focus, it's allowed our sales teams to focus on the best opportunities and their strongest relationships. Yeah. So does your team work, you know, specifically to help those like strengthen those relationships? Are you creating like content or different sort of things for those folks? We are in, in our category and um, where we are in a B2B, it's, it's basically a content war. And um, it's about having differentiated content that our clients actually care about. And what we have found this year, and it's, it's a trend that's, that's been there, but it's just kind of amplified. In particular this year, people have really gotten closer to the brands that they know and the asset managers that they've got long-standing relationships with. So that's helped us on one side in terms of our existing clients. It's allowed us to deepen those relationships. But at the same time, as people are kind of hunkering down and um, being really selective in who they're engaging with, it's made it more difficult to um, to be able to expand our reach to people who don't necessarily know us or are not used to consuming content and, are, and information from us. The other trend I would say is that, um, you know, you think about 
work and life mixing together and then also um, what you're used to as a consumer, right? And in terms of how you engage the technology that you use, the information that you consume and how you do it, that's just bleeding over into the work environment. So especially for us in the financial services category and especially with asset management and dealing with institutions and sophisticated investors, as an industry, we've just made things super complicated. So if you think about a piece of content, it's usually 20 pages, 30 pages, research papers. In this environment, nobody has time for that. That's not something that they're interested in. It's more about how can you deliver digestible, meaningful content in a way that they're, um, they want to consume it. Yeah. So what are the, what are the types of things that you're creating? What are, uh, what is your team working on it? Are you doing video or audio or, or just written or white papers? What do you, what are you working on? We've tried them all to be honest with you. So it's, it's been an absolute test and learn approach in that going back a couple of months ago, we knew, especially when there's market volatility, that's one of the times that clients really reach out and they're looking for a perspective on what's happening in the markets and how they should be thinking about their investments. It creates an opportunity for us to really engage with them. And through the market volatility that we had um, in March and April, we had to figure out how do we get information to people quickly? And we decided to kind of do everything. So we created short form content and we also created video soundbite content. And that that worked really well. Our engagement increased and we got great feedback from, um, from our clients. And then you kind of fast forward to where we are now. What we've added to our kind of our repertoire or content is um, on-demand digital events, as well as pre-recorded videos that um, try to replicate the experience of if somebody was coming in and meeting with our key investment teams and learning about them. So we're trying to figure out how we can create content in different formats and allow people to choose what makes sense for them as well as what makes sense for the topic that we're trying to cover. Yeah, it it seems like... um especially with with folks that you uh, that you don't have a relationship with, it seems like figuring out a way to put a face behind the name sort of a thing that you know wanting to build uh, wanting to build a closer relationships by saying like hey we're 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 real people. We're not just you know like website with a bunch of words seems like it could be really important for your industry. It is and um, from my perspective, that's where I think we can differentiate versus the competition, because um, other asset managers have great insight to share as well. I, I think it's, it's not only about the content and the insight, but it's, it's how you deliver it. And if we can make it be digestible, informative, and packaged in the right way, I think that's, that's an opportunity for us to differentiate. How would you measure stuff like that? Like, what what were the what were the responses that you got that were positive, and and how are you uh, how are you showing that that was working? So we track metrics. So we we track engagement. Um, so not only in terms of reach, but also um, how people are engaging with the different different content that we're creating. What's been interesting is that um, there's actually a global difference in that um, you know what is being consumed and in what format 
in the U.S. is not necessarily translating and it's not the same as we see with our clients in Asia or in Europe. So I would say that probably the, the highest level of engagement that we have is actually in Asia. And it's something that we're, we're kind of being flexible and looking at the data that comes in and seeing, did this work? Um, what did we learn from it? And how do we need to pivot? So that's one of the things that we've put in place with our marketing leadership, as well as with our distribution and client-facing teams, is an ability to do some lookbacks and take a look and see, what did we do? What were those engagements? Did it deliver what we were expecting to? And how do we want to adjust? Um, what I've tried to do is make sure that we don't just continue to create and create and create. And we're actually monitoring to see what's working and how we need to shift and adjust to increase engagement and increase the value that we're delivering. Yes. Yeah, so I was, I was going to ask about the difference between the global markets. So um, that's so interesting that, that there is a, a total difference there. Any other insights um, between the different geographical areas? What we have found in Asia is that they're really hungry for content in that our, our prospect and clients um, are continuously looking for additional insights and uh, perspective on the markets and how they should be thinking about their investments. It's a little different in the US. And I don't know if it's because um, it's a little bit more saturated here in terms of there's more providers and more options for people versus here. It's more of we've got to be very selective in what we're activating and what we're putting in front of clients to make sure that it's actually something that makes sense for them. It's something that they're interested in versus just pushing out content. Yeah, that's super fascinating. Have you and have you done um, any like live events or, or live live video or? We have. Yeah. So that that's probably one of the things that accelerated was that we had some platforms to do live events, and it was on our roadmap to look to see if we wanted to upgrade some of that technology, and then you know, everything, everything kind of moved into the virtual world very quickly. And so we accelerated that and we brought on a new vendor and did global events. So we have actually a, uh, what we call a principal speaker series. So this is a series where we bring in um, very notable, well-known experts from the outside and um, they're interviewed by by some of our thought leaders. We do them about every four to six weeks in the US. And then um, in, in Europe, Asia, and LATAM, we've done more of multi-day events where um, it's the same thing. It's a mixture of our key thought leaders mixed in with um, really well-known experts across the markets and um, economy. That's cool. So were you, were you kind of driving... Um driving attendees to that and then and then just you know paying attention that way following up with people kind of like you would for for a uh, for an in-person event or or how are you looking at structuring that exactly like an in-person event but we added on something that I think has really served us well we've created some VIP engagements to go along with it so um, for example we had in September Janet Yellen, as part of our speaker series, 
and um, we broadcast that out. And, um, you know, it was an hour session, but before that hour session, we had a VIP engagement where we were able to bring in virtually a round table and people got to engage with her and ask their own questions versus being in a more uh, broadcast type of event. So that's something that we've started to do across the principal speaker series is um, think about how do we get these thought leaders and their insights out um, in a big way, but also create more intimate type of engagements. So the way that these work is we, we plan them, we promote them, and then we allow people to engage and ask questions. And it's a pretty regimented process in that we've got a really good process with our distribution teams to ensure that we follow up. So if anybody has asked a question, our sales team, and we didn't get to answer them on, on the live broadcast, our sales team follows up with them. And in addition to that, at the end of the event, we work with that thought leader to create, um, to create content. So whether it's a blog post or a video series, and then we push that out to the people who joined, as well as to the people who, must, who might have missed the broadcast. And it's a part of the, the follow-up for our distribution teams. I want to switch gears a little bit to talk about um, your boutiques. Is it boutiques or boutiques? I never know. Boutiques. It's boutiques, but we're, we're, actually, uh, we're actually moving away from calling them boutiques and we're calling them uh, distinct investment teams. Oh, there you go. Okay, distinct investment teams. So yeah, <laughs> this is kind of an interesting concept. So what, what's a distinct uh, investment team? So it's it's part of um, it's part of the evolution of our asset management business. So um, organically, the business had started in managing some um, some assets internally, and as the business saw an opportunity to manage assets for other businesses and uh, create other types of products, they started looking at how to expand and offer more choice. So there were through M&A as well as organic builds, additional investment teams added on so that now we've got um, you know, these investment teams that go across asset classes. So thinking about short-term fixed income all the way to private and real estate. And what makes them distinct is that there is no principal house view of how you manage money. It's more of we value the, the way that these teams look at the opportunity set and what their investment processes are and allow them the freedom to, to be able to really design and maintain their investment processes, but also get the support of a broader organization behind them. Yeah. And so do you, how do you market something like that? Uh, especially now that you're changing the name, I'm sure it's top of mind. Um, but uh, how do you think about market marketing something like that that might be a little different than what is kind of like traditionally been the case? So we're we're actually we're in the process of of figuring out from a strategic perspective where we want to be um, in terms of our branding structure. So um, you know what we're evaluating, and it's one of the things that we're looking to kind of finalize in the next four to six months is that you have a house of brands or you're a branded house. And I feel like today we're kind of in between. 
And what we're looking to do is, is to kind of clean up some of that and figure out going forward what makes sense for us as an organization to be a branded house or a house of brands. We're in the process of doing some research with our target audiences and getting feedback from them on what they value and what matters, especially in their decision-making process. And that's going to inform us of how we move forward. I think for us, being a challenger brand, you know, it's really hard to not only have one, but then have multiple brands underneath when um, you're, you're trying to increase your brand awareness and you're thinking through the, the resources that you have and what's the most effective way to do that. So um, that's, what's, that's what's sparking this, this strategic review of, um, you know, what we want our branding strategy and architecture to be going forward. Do you have any favorite campaigns that you've ran over the years? It's actually one we're working on now. So it's, it's not one that's live. I would say that, you know, when I joined principal, I, um, one of the things that um, I've really appreciated about the um, marketing organization, as well as the company is their way of humanizing everything, right? In that, um, and it's especially hard to do in, in financial services. So, what we're working on right now, and I'm, you know, you, I know you've discussed this on on other podcasts. It's how do we bring to life um, our purpose and our mission, and thinking through that through our campaign. And for us, the the reason that I I'm really um, enjoying the work that we're doing um, across the business units and our global brand um, and experience marketing group is because through those four business units that I mentioned, we've got different audiences that we're going after. We've got some B2C, B2B um, that are a bit different. The sophistication levels are different. The products that they use, um, why they select us is different. So we're, we're in the process of thinking through our next campaign, how we balance all of that. And, and you know, does our brand have the strength? And how can we allow it to stretch across our audiences and also unify us? So I, I'm excited about it because intellectually, it's you know, some pretty big things that we're trying to accomplish with with our next campaign. And I'm interested to see kind of where we land. What about data um, and and personalization? Are you, I know you mentioned data earlier a little bit. Um, How are you thinking about data? How are you thinking about, you know, moving forward towards 2021 and, and trying to figure out how to you know, you have so many different markets and 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 personas um, to to personalize and, and make better kind of digital experiences. So, two of our strategic projects for um, for our organization r- really revolves around that. So, um, the first one is we are going through, and we actually launched this week. Um, we stood up the team where we're going to be overhauling our um, digital assets and websites globally. So um, we're, we're doing that. And at the same time, we've got a pretty big data infrastructure. So client data infrastructure initiative going on. And those two projects are going to kind of meet together at some point to ensure that we can really deliver on personalization through the various engagements and channels that we have. 
So in financial services, we're we're pretty behind on where um, where a lot of other consumer facing organizations are at in terms of how they use data, how in, it informs their marketing strategy, their um, go to market strategies. So we've recognized that it's something that we need to do and we need to fast track. So um, this past year, we set up a data distribution and marketing business intelligence team. And it's been one of the best decisions that we've made to make that investment. And then now over the next year or two, we've got significant dollars set aside around getting the 360 view of our clients, as well as really rebuilding and delivering a better client experience on our digital websites. Yeah, especially with with you know with everything that happened with COVID, I think so much of like those like kind of three sixty insights were kind of like a little bit stuck in sales or or you know stuck in the personal relationships that people had or in kind of offline things, and then now having a more full understanding of like you know what is going on digitally, we can do that if we can if we can capture it all and then make sense of it. I think with that. Uh, the way that we've approached it was, as I mentioned, it's a distribution and marketing business intelligence in that we, we had a lot of discussions and debates at our operating committee about how we needed to structure the initiative. And one of the things that I talked about and with our heads of distribution and we discussed was that if we were going to make this investment to be really data-driven we needed to ensure that we were going to utilize it. Not only that it was going to inform our, our marketing strategy and activation, but that it was also going to be used within the sales process. And I have to say that the distribution leadership and team was a huge proponent of moving to be data-driven. And it's been amazing to see that the impact that uh, the business intelligence team has had on how distribution teams really go about covering their territories and deciding who they're engaging with and how they're engaging with them and what they're positioning, you know, in terms of you really utilizing the data to have a better understanding of what are the right products that are going to make an impact. Any challenges that you've had uh, there with, uh, with kind of trying to understand, get a better understanding of like 360 view of the customer? It's prioritization. Yeah, so sure. I think one of the lessons learned I've, I've had in taking on really big, messy strategic projects is that you can work towards the perfect state and it can take forever versus having more of a mindset of iterate and deliver business value while thinking about what that strategic end is. Yeah, prioritization, always the number one uh... Always the number one problem for marketers. We gotta, it's too many good ideas, right? I know. It's never a fun process, but I, I honestly believe it's our responsibility to be disciplined in helping the organization prioritize because otherwise, you know, your efforts get diluted. Then you try to do too many things and you don't have as much impact as if you were to focus on, on the big things. Well, with that in mind, uh, any, uh, any, experiments that you're excited for, for, for 2021 or any, any, uh, you know, non-traditional channels you want to, you want to try some stuff out or, or anything like that? No, so it's not, it's not non-traditional, but, um, a big part of our strategy for next year 
is going to be sponsored content. So we've had a partnership now with Bloomberg. So we do, um, we sponsor actually the, the principal room, which doesn't get a lot of guests that go through it on, on Bloomberg TV, but you still get to see our, our sponsored room. But in addition to that, we've worked on co-creating content with them. And we're looking to expand that to other key um, thought leaders and media channels in 2021. I think that that's going to be um, that's going to be a really big game changer for us, especially being a challenger brand. We need to think of different ways and meaningful ways to to get our name out there and really uh, increase awareness of our investment capabilities. So that's, that's going to be our number one focus for next year. Yeah, that, that's interesting. Is there a particular like, reason why that, that seems to be a focus? Is it the legitimacy? Is it, is it better to like, work with people to make content? Does it make it a little, a little easier on your team to create those things? What's kind of the reason? Because that's, that's, a, that's a fun area to explore. It's all of the above. It's exactly what you mentioned. So it's it's having that association of really well-respected, established brands and also where our audience goes, right? Where where does our audience go to consume and get informed? So that's that's a number one. Uh, number two is we we feel like we've got great experts and insights, but they can only get amplified and get better if we partner with others who are in the space who also have a different perspective. So I think pairing that together makes it, makes it unique. And it also gives a, a, a sense of credibility of partnering with some of these big institutions. And then um, the third aspect of it is their reach. So not only are we looking at sponsored content, we're also looking at content syndication. So really forming strategic partnerships with some of these media partners and content creators so that um, we can extend the reach and, um, and amplify our activation efforts. All right, let's get into our lightning round. These questions are fast and easy, just like marketing with Salesforce. Salesforce brings marketing and engagement together. You can learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. We love Salesforce. They've been with us since the very beginning. Lightning round questions. Farnaz, are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> Number one. Principal Global is located in Des Moines, Iowa. What is one thing about Des Moines that is a particularly fun adventure to go on? Biking. The bike trails are amazing here. What is something, either a hobby or a habit, that you picked up in Shelter in Place? I went vegan. Oh, that's fun. How'd that go? Um, it lasted six weeks. And then I, I went vegetarian and I actually went back on the vegan bandwagon yesterday. Oh, nice. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I've, we've done a sampling of pretty much every single type of uh, the non-meat meats over the past uh, six months as well. So I, I'm, I'm not, definitely not uh, anywhere close to vegan or vegetarian, but, uh, but I have decreased my, uh, my, my protein or my, my meat protein pretty significantly. Yeah, I, I consumed a lot of books and documentaries and it, it, it convinced me to, to try the, the, the vegan diet. And, um, you know, I, I've, I've liked it. I went vegetarian and now I, I've decided I actually, um, I actually like being vegan better. I thought you meant you actually consumed books because you were so <laughs> hungry. No, I'm kidding. Um, 
Yeah, no, I, uh, I was just watching the David Attenborough documentary and, uh, and some really cool stuff with scientific progress on, on sustainability and, and non, uh, non-animal proteins and stuff like that. It's pretty, it's actually a pretty exciting time to, to learn about all that stuff. Totally agree. Okay. Do you have a, 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 a favorite, uh, either like a band or a sports team or, or something, uh, your favorite, favorite team? I get a lot of flack for this, but I'm I'm a Cowboys fan. Oh yeah, tough year. <laughs> really tough year. Tough year for the old Cowboys. It's been not only a tough year, it's been long drought. Yeah, indeed. What is your best advice for a first-time CMO? My advice would be to really surround yourself with a strong team. Be able to build out your leadership team to augment your experiences and your area of expertise. If you weren't in marketing, what do you think you'd be doing? I would love to to be in, in photography or fashion. What's your favorite vegan meal? I don't discriminate with vegetables. So I, I, I think that's, that's why um, a vegetarian or a vegan diet works for me. There isn't a vegetable that I don't like. So grilled vegetables are, are, are kind of my go-to meal. Awesome. Well, that's it. That's all we got for today. Farnas, so, thanks so much for coming on. Any uh, final thoughts? Anything to plug? No, this, this is great. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah, thanks again for joining. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. Discover marketing built on the world's number one CRM, Salesforce. Put your customer at the center of every interaction. Automate engagement with each customer and build your marketing strategy around the entire customer journey. Salesforce, we bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, The messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. 
Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.